Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod, the podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now. Happy Wimbledon qualifying week to all that celebrate the courts of Roehampton. I know one Nobody person gives who a shit. No one person who <laughs> loves it being uh, Noah Rubin. Uh, what let me just say uh, before we get into our little spiel, Alex Bolt will be on the show this week. Had a chance to talk with him in Tyler, Texas two weeks ago, including a talk about what some people say was the best tennis match they've ever watched at any level ever. Alex Bolt and Yannick Sinner a couple of years back at Wimbledon Qualies. That's why we wanted to have him on during this week. But for now, we are left with the bespeckled Noah Rubin live from his kitchen in New York where he was attending a child's something or other earlier. Um, you were. There was a child in the background when we talked about 45 minutes ago. <laughs> My apartment complex. Yeah. Hurting children here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand. Listen, that's I, I got to tell you, nobody really paid attention, but Tulsa got absolutely destroyed last week. Um, I know but, you went MIA on me. I thought you were a goner, dude. It was it was a tough tough week here. We're uh, my daughter's best friend. They just got power back. We're recording Sunday at four thirty. Uh, they just got back power noon today, which is a full seven days after power went out uh, from a, a massive windstorm. Uh, here's what I found out, Noah. To just to this is something yeah, you and I were you talking said it about. Said it was Armageddon like. The, the stoplight by my house still out seven days yeah. later. Apparently, the governor of Oklahoma, this is not why people are listening. I understand that. But the governor of Oklahoma went on a European vacation the day before. So yes. did the lieutenant governor, who's second in charge, mm -hmm. to another international destination. Apparently, they did not notify the person who's third in line of succession. That, that, that they were both gone? That they gone? were both gone. <laughs> so as a result, they were not able to issue uh, what is it, dec emergency declaration yeah, until declaration, a yeah. day later. 
because of the fact that they so that helped a lot to all the people who lost power in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, one thing that has not happened as a result, I've not been able because I was with my daughter all week. I've not been able to watch Breakpoint, mm. uh, and I know that has been a major fascination of yours over the last few days. Yeah, I was. Uh, I guess the first fascination was I didn't know it came out mm. when it came out, which is not a good start to anything like that. And we we said that was an issue because uh, it's not season two, right? It's called part, part two. two. Is yeah. that what we're calling it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, part one. You know, some people had to search it. And, and that's what I had to do for this one. And that's not a good way to start with this. So that was a tough way. But um, yeah, I got into it. It was, um, I think, a little bit, went a little bit deeper than the first part in, in some ways. So I'm going to start with the positive. Went a little bit deeper. Uh, definitely, it's always the unlikely stars that came out. Um, I am blanking on his name now, but Ila Tamlanovich's father was a star of the show. People were infatuated by this man, especially when... Um, he guesstimated, I don't know if this was just off the cuff, but thought there was 5,000 people, uh, in Arthur Ashe stadium right. when she was playing, um, <laughs> Serena and, 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 uh, she said 30,000 and he said, Oh, we're fucked. And that was a, a great that, line. Was, that was a, yeah, that was, it was top notch. So, but yes, I mean, the production quality is super high. Um, you know, they breezed over a lot of. I think important human rights things that were taking place during like. this time. Um, well, I mean, you know, they actually went a little bit deeper into the war on the Sapolenka side of things, yeah. um, but didn't get the other side of the story. I think that's kind of what the issue lied on a lot of these things, where you only you mean got the Ukrainian one side of the story. Side or yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, well, Ukrainian players, what that is like, um, because Sapolenka was talking about feeling excommunicated. You know, which is fine. She wasn't the one that started the war. But, you know, I just think for a lot of these stories that were being told, um, you know, even like a Nick Kyrgios thing, you know, where he opened up a lot about his mental health and, and cutting and suicidal um, inclinations. What am I? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, then they were quickly like, uh, Nick, you have to get back to Australia because you're you have to be in front of the court for allegations that you abused your ex-girlfriend and that was it so it was just like yeah. a lot of like one part stories um and of course the big highlight show which again a lot of people are talking that they just they just wish that they should have shown the bigger highlights like a sinner alcaraz match where alcaraz actually was a part of the show and we're talking about probably a top 10 match in the history of tennis almost mm. was not even really spoken about um and kind of glossed over but yeah, it's it is what it is. <laughs> it sounds though like you feel better about the just the basic quality of the of of the thing, so that some some of the things now you might be complaining about a little bit or more, um, just because we're tennis players. Is that is that possible? Yeah, definitely more. I would say it was you know I'm looking forward to the season two or whatever that looks like, and, yeah. and hopefully they grasp on to some of the things that we're missing. I don't think it's ever going to be what we want which is good because we're making our own docuseries and behind the racket but i do think that it's um yeah it's it's a one-sided and b um it was just how deep are we going emotionally you know what are we seeing you know we know these are going to be mostly the top players we know we understand that part of it so that's the glamorizing factor of it is always going to be there you can't you know shut that away but yeah it's more the how are we feeling what are we going through that in the first part was 
awfully done. You know, not, nothing was was said other than my forehand didn't feel good that day for the most part. But then in part two, yeah, I went a little bit deeper. Isla talked about it. Abelenka, um, you know, even Foe was going into kind of the emotions of what he felt through that U.S. Open run. Um, but again, it was just it felt one sided where tennis fans knew kind of what was actually going on. And it was like, eh, that's not the full story. So in your opinion, then. Do you feel like an average person, non-tennis related, is going to be enticed to watch more? Finally, I don't know who it is. I'll, uh, you know what? I'll give a little a little Twitter shout out. You know, Twitter's been a little active, but there was somebody, if I can find it in this time, which I will never Greg. be able to. <laughs> no, I, I believe it was actually a woman. Rachel. Rachel, yeah. yes. And, 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 and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, her ad is Rachel Meir. So let's just go with okay. that. Um, yeah. I mean, basically spoke about full swing and, and F1. And I think what it came down to in the end, and I'm not putting this fully on the producers, is that it it proves just how difficult it is to showcase tennis, how many facets there are. And, and when you only have time for so much, you're only getting one side of it where it really doesn't show what tennis is. So I think it's, you know, when you look into F1, you're talking about you know 22 races, 20 drivers, 10 teams, very simple, straightforward. And this is like, okay, what does that tournament mean for that? And why are they here? And who is Brandon Holt? <laughs> you know, like, what is that? And then it's like, where did he come from? How did he get it? You know, it's just like, yeah. there's so much. There's so much. And when you have a really big highlight reel, which is what this show really is, and then try to put the emotion into it, there's just not a lot of time. So, you know, the, the, the sad thing that I'm not hearing from Full Swing and F1 that I am hearing from Breakpoint is that, which is coming from all demographics, is that people are saying, oh, I'm just not the demographic for it. Mm. And I'm like, well, then who is? You know, And that's kind of been the overarching theme where it's just, I wish it almost went more to one side where it's almost in the middle ground. And I wish it would have said, hey, this is for new people. Let's let's round this out. Let's give it to them. What is tennis? What are we doing here? Um so we'll see. I, I'm curious what the, I know they're already filming uh, season two. So we'll be curious what that's like. A couple of behind the scenes things. Uh, I want to yeah. make sure I say congrats to my friends who are uh, made commentary appearances. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abigail Johnson, Nick McCarvel, Blair Henley, obviously hosting the reunion component of, of, you know, part two. Um, I'm very happy for all of them. I, I, I'm, I, I was hoping Noah, I won't lie. I was hoping some of my radio call, mm. uh, either from Serena's final match or Serena. I was, I was waiting for Serena. Yeah, I was also on the Alcaraz Sinner six-hour battle. I was on both of those radio calls. There was that yeah. little little pride in me. It was just like, please include it. Please. Yeah, no, the Serena one. I was actually thinking that they could have, you know, and that they, they do love the English voice. And I will yeah. say it comes off nice and on on screen. But I would have thought because they did add a few components to it that. Your name might have squeaked through at one yeah. point, but that's yeah, okay. The center, the center Alcaraz, uh, that came down to a, I think, three second kind of run through. So yeah. that wasn't going to be anything. But yeah, the Serena, the Serena um, Isla, they they did a fairly good job at that and and putting Annette in there as well mm-hmm. and kind of going through those emotions. Um, but I think what the difficulty is, what you're not losing, you're not using the top players. It was nice to have Iga, Iga in there. So, you know, to kind of go through that, I'm number one in the world. That's what Drive Survive had where you're getting the top and the bottom. And and with this, it's like you're getting close to the top, yeah. 
but you're not quite there. And you're like, keep talking about the fable of Rafael Nadal or the idol of Serena Williams, you know, and it's just like, wait, who are they and why, you know? Well, so, so that's what I also wanted to get to two, two components here. Number one, I do know that the USTA broadcast department got much more heavily involved um, this, this year. And that's why part two, I think has a much different feel. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they, you know, being able to react to the criticisms of part one, I think made a massive difference. And I I think that's why you're definitely seeing a little bit of a tonal change um, in terms of what you're seeing the product, you know, it's listen, art, if you will, is never going Mm -hmm. to be universally accepted by, by everyone. But I think you see a little bit more acceptance of this being a a much more ingestible product for a a larger audience. And I think that's a a big part of it. Number two, um, agents, that's, that's your problem here with, I think a lot of this documentary is the fact that a lot of agents did not want to allow full access for for those film crews um, for some of the bigger names, um, some of the revelations that would come along with potential full access. Um, I think that's that's their job, right? Agents, their job is to protect their players. Um, yep. I I think that I think I, I think a lot of the agents just kind of miss the boat on what it would potentially mean continuous uh, short-sightedness on the agency aspect. I mean, I know, actually I know a few docuseries in the world of tennis that have been, you know, I'm not going to say names, but have actually been completed, you know, on based on a single player. And then once it was time to kind of push it out, um, you know, they were saying no, whether mm. it was the player, agent combined. Um, so this happens a lot in the individual sports. It seems like that is just a complete fear, um, but it's a continuous short-sightedness because I think any player that has been open, genuinely open and honest, has only been met with 95 or overwhelming support and admiration, um, where it's very rarely on the other side of things, you know, without real reason. So it's it's sad that we're still in this world, but yeah, I mean, the agents has always kind of put a blockade on that to some extent. And, you know, curious to see where, ATP and WTA has kind of fit into this. You know, I've had my issues with them where they want to be their stories as a whole because everything reflects on them as a circuit. Um, They want everything to be depicted the way they want it. You know, and I know when I've worked with them with some of the behind the racket stuff that we we had pushed forward um, with Tennis Channel even, you know, ATP who had the issue. That was where the issue lied Mm -hmm. solely because, you know, the issues, whether it was depression or anxiety, may look poorly upon the product itself. And I was like, well, yeah, okay, that's fine. But that's not what I was saying. And and this is the world and we're all going to feel this. So again, it's that short-sightedness of what are we actually doing here? Like nobody's going to be, oh, ATP sucks. You know, it's going to be like, oh, this is what they're going through. It's a tough product. This is what they have to do, but they chose this. And and I admire this. And, and I think, again, the part two is, Definitely a, a better product. Um, I heard way less of I couldn't finish it. You know, yeah. I didn't start it. But um, I do think, sadly, that the part one prevented people from going into the part two. I heard that like, hey, and yeah, I didn't sure. watch part one. So yeah, I'm not going to watch part two. Um, yeah, you're, who who in your opinion should have been a major focus that maybe hasn't been. I'm a, I, I might like, it's an easy answer for me as men. Yeah. So, I mean, the, on the men's side, you you have to have about 400 times more of Alcaraz right now. I mean, how we were not promoting him to some extent in the outside world of what he is like we did, 
but it was almost like he's in the distance. No, this is a, a young man. You know, this yeah, is a yeah. very, this is a child that, you know, we're hopefully going to have for a long time. So, um, you know, I think way more time for something like that. Um, and I think. Daniil. It's yeah, it, it has to be met. you know, I was, cause I was, I was going through it and I was like, if you don't have sinner, which, you know, could be a little bit on the plain side of things mm-hmm. um because i was thinking rivalry but yeah if you don't have medvedev coming in here these are the guys that were at the top of the sport you know these are the guys so i i appreciate what they're doing but they're still using the kind of top of the sport how do you not get the best and with the you know i mean with the us open with everything that you know medvedev comes with and shitting on clay there's so much there and i think i, I which i usually go against I, I think the top of the sport was just not utilized. I really don't. The top top. I, I agree um, with that. I think they did a much better side, uh, a much better job on the women's side. I will say, I think, I think Hans is very likable. I think yes. you know, being um, on the Muslim side of things, you're getting a totally different demographic there. That I mean, is it's unbelievable. She had full parades for her. A lot of things I didn't even know. Um, and then you have um, to get Iga in there it was amazing. You know how likable as a yes. number one in the world. Um, even Sabalenka is. You know it's fun to be around. You know even on screen when you're looking at that, you're like, oh, okay, I get. There's a personality and Isla's well spoken. So I think they did a good job there. Um, big foe. You know everybody can yeah. have their own opinion, but he's great. I mean he he's Fantastic. what a lot of people are looking to see. Yep. Um, it's you got to use the top right now in this you ha- I think you had to go more the direction of we got to get this out to the people that know nothing about tennis and show them that like, Oh yeah, Medvedev. And then, Hey, you want to throw in, you know, the 40th player in the world, be my guest, get, you know, Tommy Paul in there. I, I don't know. You know, I'm just, but I think, you know, you had, you had to get a little bit more of that. Oh, this is what tennis has been like, you know, this is who we've had. This is Medvedev putting the middle finger up to the U S open crowd. You know, this is, that was the best. I was on the call for that too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, between him doing the FIFA celebration, flopping fish and like, there's, there's so much there while it's at the top. Um, I think that would have been a fun, a fun series, but we're here now. And and I, I can only hope they, they improve and get there. Um, but again, I mean, I'm going to say this one more time. I know I threw it in. We do have a docu-series on the horizon, and you'll get more news in the next month or so. Will, will I get more news? Am I doing the voiceovers? or Because I've got this whole studio. I can record stuff if you need me. Cheap. <laughs> Free. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to get your, your voice in there somewhere. Um, yeah. Okay, so the, the next component that comes out of the – uh, documentary, obviously. Yes. Stefano Tsitsipas. Um, co- coded words for that that certainly stir up uh, racist thoughts, to say the very least. Um, the the apology that he wrote, <laughs> or yeah. ChatGPT wrote for him, um, didn't serve him well. I'm, I'm, I don't, it's funny. Cause I actually, and Nick, I guess like went on Twitter and kind of defended him and said like, all good, no yeah, bad yeah, blood right. kind of thing, right. whatever. I, <sighs> meanwhile, Paula Bedosa is in love with him and it's just yeah, the that, whole, that whole thing, thing is, is a lot. Um, a lot. A lot. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah, I actually do like the Nick Stephanos 
combativeness. I do think I do there's too. something there. Um, I think it was actually somewhat poorly done in some ways okay. to shape or form. I think it set it up for this. And I think you just have to pick and choose wisely on the, on the Netflix side of saying, Hey, that's good, but maybe we put this out for the time being. Um, yeah. I mean, it's tricky. It's tricky. Again, it's, you don't know what to think about some of the players when they're out there, you know, and that's, that's what you got when you're listening to Stefano speak and you're like, wait, am I for Nick? Am I, am I supposed to like him? Do I, do I want to hate him? Am I supposed to love to hate him? And, and Stefanos is proving maybe I do like him. He speaks pretty well. Was he saying shit? Like, like, where are we? And I think that was the sector where it just had to be a little bit more defined. Um, But it's, it is, they are entertaining together. I will say. I am all for it. Um, I don't, I don't like the language Stephanos used very bluntly. I love the idea of him going down this path of just like, this is, this is true. If you change the, the, like, I'm, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I know that that can cause some problems as well, because I, I'm, I'm willing to say this is somebody using English as a second language. So I think it's within the realm of possibility that Maybe those words were not intended the same way. But then when he came out with the apology and said, you know, as a as a Caucasian male, and I was just like, you lost me. You yeah, lost, was, yeah, you lost me the there. apology was worse than everything else. <laughs> you know, that that was kind of the problem where, yeah, yeah. he was, you know, he should have said, yeah, no, did not mean it like that. Correct. You know, just meant that yes. he comes out and there's a lack of respect, you know, to some extent and totally fine. fine. We move totally on. Totally fine. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was bordering on that, that race conversation when he started bringing up, you know, that basketball intangible or whatever he yeah. was kind of using. I mean, like but, Governor DeSantis this past week made some, you know, well, basketball is just a bunch of, you know, it's just a sport yeah. for freaks. Versus, you know, <laughs> baseball, which is built on tradition and, you know, everybody has a role and, and it's just like, okay, so that's racist. Like that is racist. Right, right, you know? right. So it's just yeah. like, yeah, I need to just say uh, real quickly, Noah, I'm um, two weeks out from Taylor Swift. You're seeing her live? Yeah. It's very exciting. People um, gave their left leg. How'd you get tickets? Uh, this was a Christmas present. Wow. Um, from, from for yourself, <laughs> my mom got it for okay. myself and Marnie. We're going on July 8th to in Kansas city. Yep. Um, I, I'm losing my shit, man. Like this is going to be nuts. Yeah. I get torn every time. Cause there are definitely some, you know, obviously I don't have the infatuation with Taylor Swift, but I always, you know, if I, if I said, oh, who's that one person that would make me lose, like, I get so excited, but like mm-hmm. there's people hysterically crying like that. It's like yeah. the most overwhelming experience for them. Can't, I don't know. Um, you, you, where, where are you right I'm, now? Are you... I am, I'm so like, <laughs> I am trying not to listen to Taylor Swift songs right now so that I like, cause I know right afterwards, I'm just going to be listening to it nonstop while driving into um, Chicago the next day. Uh, to to go to the Chicago Challenger is going to be it's going to be a tough come down, but I'm I'm yes. excited because the field looks great. Um, yeah. so I just needed to throw that in there because the next two weeks I might be rather distracted. Um, before we go and get to again Alex Bolt, uh, who will be joining us here on the podcast using his protected ranking this week in Wimbledon qualies. Um, can you explain before we leave Noah just the difference between playing at Wimbledon? Yeah. During the main draw 
and qualifying week at Roehampton, which I don't think I don't think everybody knows that it's not played on the same in the same facility city. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a different world. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you have the, the Bank of England, this Roehampton University uh, has a, a few cricket fields and basically has a lot of grass, a lot of open grass. And they have one line of courts that I don't I want to say there's 12 on that line that go straight all the way through, all uh-huh. the way down. Then you have, oh, I want to say th- uh, a bank of three. They kind of mix it up. But yeah, a bank of two and a bank of two, something like that. And they have practice courts all the way in the back. And, you know, it's tough to say. Obviously, they try to maintain the grass at Wimbledon. You know, they don't want to use those courts, so they have it here. It is – it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I appreciate the work they put in, let's yeah. practice that. It's it's not – yeah, you're not. You're, you're at, like – I would not even barely say a challenger. Just the understanding mm. that you're on grass makes it feel different. But the, if these were hard courts, yeah. you'd be like, okay, this is like an okay challenger. And you don't feel professional. The food quality, everything. I mean, yeah, but the food quality is night and day. You're just, here's this, the best one. As uh, my fiance is in the other room, we, 2019, when I qualified, we were in the middle court. I would say like in the bank of 12, we are in court four of that or five. Yeah there were no chairs. Mm, I remember that. Yeah. Final round qualifying is best of five. Right. I played f- just about four hours against Yannick Hoffman, beat him in four. She's standing. This one, this girl is standing, obviously yeah. shaking too. It's a nerve. She's standing for four hours watching me. It's like, guys, like, what are we, what are we doing here? Yeah. And you know what you're playing for. And as much as Australia will be everybody's favorite, being on the grounds of Wimbledon, it, it's, it's pristine. Yeah. I think pristine is the word. And yeah, it's almost nauseating of how royal it feels. Mm. So yeah, I mean, yes, does it set you up when you qualify to be like, holy shit, I made it. Holy yeah. shit, we went through this. Sure. Amazing. But it's not the same tournament. And those courts get used and abused. So after that, you're going to have uh, the Roehampton ITF, mm. which will have qualies and main draw there. And then, which I had to do, then you play qualifying for junior Wimbledon there. So I was playing on courts to qualify. You played two matches again to junior Wimbledon. I was playing on courts that were beat to shit. Yeah. Absolutely destroyed. It's not the same world. So you have, you call it, we call it like the hill, the mound or whatever. Those are like the two show courts. Yeah. People are sitting on a hill. Like I played Mo there, yeah. sitting on a hill. Like <laughs> this is a grand slam. Like yeah. what are we doing? So I always thought that eventually they'd give in and be like, let's build stands. Let's yeah. have seating. Let's make sure people feel comfortable. Like I was cramping after that qualifying match. I had to put chicken down and like barely could get it. I mean, like the food is just yeah. like subpar, but the grounds of Wimbledon and the grounds of Wimbledon makes up for it. Uh, I haven't, I haven't been. Oh my gosh, it's been like tw- it's almost been twenty years since I last went to Wimbledon. Jesus. It's been a long time. I need to get there uh, next well, summer. I mean, I joke around it, but my junior Wimbledon—that's it's almost ten years. I know. Like, think about that. Not nine We're years. Almost at the, what is twenty fourteen or fifteen? Twenty fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. 
I mean, that's it's 10 years. Yeah. Like that's a wild. So to even think about that, you know, if, you know, when I went back even for 2019, like I saw on the board, I saw six more champions after yeah, me, yeah. you know, like absolutely crazy. So, but yeah, the grounds of Wimbledon packed, jammed, you're, you can't even move. Those courts are like anything else. But um, last question before you go into bolt. Yeah. And because it, it pertains to Wimbledon, because it's still it's still not fully known for people that haven't played it or been there that the grass has completely softened up and it's at nearly a slow surface to yeah, some yeah, extent. Right, right. How, how do you feel about the generalization of surfaces now that we're all trying to meet in the middle? I hate it. Yeah. I want I want distinct. Mm-hmm. I love distinct. Yeah. I love the fact that like if I had to if I go to Ilkley mm-hmm. every year. I would bet my entire life on Dennis Kudla winning that event every year because of how fast it is and how good he can hit that low ball. Right, and he could have lost eight matches in a row on clay, and you're like, I want Dennis Kudla. I'm gonna, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, he's my he's my tribute, and you know, I'm sending him to the <laughs> Hunger Games on grass. Uh, I love distinct. I loved being in uh, Tyler a couple of weeks ago and how fast those courts played and how you had to make adjustments. I think that's part of the sport that is very, very important. I don't like the difference of balls, if I'm being mm-hmm. honest, yep. um, because that's I know how much yep. that actually affects the arm, your mm-hmm. your arm for a, for a player. Um, but I love having to adjust to different speeds and bounces because that is not something that taxes you, your body. That taxes how that changes how you play the game, and I think that's what's important. It's actually a funny uh, topic you brought up. It, they are picking on the wrong variable. Mm. Without a doubt. Yeah. A hundred. There should never, ever be unless again, specified for a surface, let's yes. say. Yes. I, I will agree with that. Yes. There should never be another ball. <laughs> there, Whatever you, even if it's the shittiest ball in the world, we'll find a way we get acclimated and that's a tennis ball. That's fine because that destroys arms. Correct. It's been, I think probably in the past, probably post COVID, you know, there was a tennis ball issue as well. Yes, manufacturing right, right. wise um, post COVID probably be, one of the largest topics of discussion at every event. I mean, Medvedev obviously very outspoken in a lot of those ways, but these players are coming out and be like, I hit the shit out of the ball. It doesn't go anywhere. My arm's broken. Yes. You know, I have five more matches to go. Like, what are we supposed to do? Um, yeah. I don't think other sports realize it. And this is where it comes down to tennis being the toughest sport. There's so many variables. The stringing gets different, you know, mm-hmm. you have different... but imagine you go, you're playing, you know, the Knicks are playing bulls that, and they're using a Wilson ball. Then they go to golden state and the ball's bouncing, you know, four inches higher, every dribble. Like it's, it's a different world, you know, it's bouncing off the rim. Fun fact. Yeah, well, uh, okay. <laughs> I was the Illinois uh, basketball PA yep. announcer. So you started, no, uh, no, I started with no. tennis actually at Illinois. Oh. Uh, yeah. Back a long, long time ago when uh, yeah. I gave Michael Costa his start. Um, different podcast yeah yeah Uh, there was a game an illinois men's basketball game where it turned out that for the first couple minutes they were missing all of their shots like it was like after three minutes or something three inches wide kind of it was two it was two nothing or something like that (laughs) turns out they were using a women's ball Mm. and again like just that little difference right is mixed all the difference Mixed doubles at slams, you use women's ball. Mm-hmm. You go with that ball. I couldn't make a return. Mm-hmm. Could not make a return. So I played, you know, played my singles matches, however many I played that year, and went into this woman's ball. She would serve, kick serve. I'd go for the foreign fence. 
<laughs> automatic. I'm like, what's happening? But yeah, I, they're definitely picking on the wrong variable. Um, there, there should be far more constants than there are. Yes. But the beauty of multiple surfaces, I think they should bring back um, carpet to some carpets. extent. Carpets, yep. Yeah. Um, Love it. But yeah, I, I, the fact that grass, like we are playing long points, like, yeah, it's softer. Yeah, you're going to have differences and it looks different, but the play style has to coincide yep. with whatever it looks like. Oh, last thing, and then we really yeah. need to get to Alex Bull. <laughs> Don't sell anything to the Saudis. Just leave it at that. Please. God, Denzi's face is everywhere right now. Please don't sell to the Saudis. It's funny because I want the Saudis to make something, but I don't want to sell to them. <laughs> yeah, let's you know sell, what I mean? Sell, sell them an event if you're going to, I mean, okay, I don't they, love they it. Already, I don't love it, but. If you don't think Miami opens going to Saudi, if you don't think some of these tournaments are getting over there, it's yes. without a doubt. I just, I just don't want the, we'll see. Yeah. Alex Bolt joined me two weeks ago in Tyler, Texas. So you'll hear some of the questions just a tad bit dated in terms of we were talking about the French Open at the time, which was underway. But here is my talk with Alex Bolt. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Vancouver's Chinatown is where Noah is. Interesting. Um, he's coaching a junior right now. Okay. Uh, I called him and I said, you know, here's Bolte's match time because we were obviously mm -hmm. in a group chat. End of the day today. And Noah, here's here's the match time, et cetera, et cetera. I, I called him two hours ago. No response. Nothing. <laughs> literally zero. Call him again just a couple of minutes ago. He says, you have no idea where I am. I'm like, no, I don't. That's the whole That's the whole point. You're in Vancouver. I know that. Uh, but he's coaching a junior. He sends his best regards to our, our guest today, Alex Bolt and, and Bolte. Uh, you, have, you are sweating less than I am. And I don't know how that's possible because you just played and all I did was sit and talk. But uh, thank you for joining us on the podcast. I, I really do appreciate it because... I haven't seen you in like four years, like know, up close know, and personal. Right? So I'm I'm honored to get to sit with you. Um, you look fantastic. How how are you in terms of just where you're at with with life right now? Because you just seem like you've had a life over the last ten years, man. Yeah, yeah. I guess um, a lot of stuff have happened over my <laughs> my career to, to date so far. Um, but yeah, I guess the last kind of year has been pretty tough for me. Yeah, um, tennis wise. Um, through through injuries and you know just yeah I guess battling with motivation and kind of stuff like that and kind of trying to figure out what I want to do with life and you know um, all that kind of stuff but you know here I am now you know <laughs> lo loving playing tennis back on the tour yeah um, you know there's nowhere else I'd rather be right now so that's where I kind of want to end that that exact thought um, so let's let's start with the beginning Box Hill. Australia, Murray Bridge. Excuse Murray me. Bridge. Sorry, 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 sorry. Close. Box Hill, Box Hill, different. <laughs> that was, that's that's your doubles partner. God bless America. That's where my brain is at. I'm I'm melted. But um, Murray Bridge, tell me yeah. about it. I don't know anything about it. Tell me about your upbringing and and kind of what brought you into the sport. Yeah, Murray Bridge, small little country town in South Australia, about an hour out of Adelaide, um, the capital city of South Australia. Um, 
yeah, I guess like any any small country town in Australia, I grew up playing sport. Mm. Um, pretty much, it's what what all the all the country people live for <laughs> were the weekends. You yeah, know, summer sports were either cricket and tennis. And then in the in the winter, it's it's netball and Aussie rules footy. Netball, netball's fascinating to yes. me. Yes, you've watched it. I have. I mean, I've come to, I've come to Australia True. a yeah, few times. Enough. So yeah, fair enough, fair yeah. Enough. I think I've got cricket now, but netball just <laughs> I'm so perplexed. But yeah, so so a lot of a lot of different sport in your life. Yes, definitely. W- what do you think that meant for you? Is especially once you did eventually focus on tennis. What did it mean to have kind of that balance of having played different sports growing up? Uh. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think I, when I was younger, I think I gravitated more towards the the team sports. Mm. So I played a lot of basketball when I was younger. Um, when I was so basically, like the winter season would usually be Aussie rules footy. Yeah. But I decided early to play tennis. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, I guess I missed, I missed that like team aspect of it when I was sure. younger. But at the same time, I was was in love with tennis as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I always, when I was younger, I probably preferred to play basketball over tennis, just okay. purely because I was around friends. And yeah, sure. Like that, just you can't really beat that team aspect in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that seems like it's been true for you as you've you've gone. Obviously, still, it's an individual sport. That water's yours. I did just oh, pull it out of the fridge for you. Every once in a while, every once in a while, I get okay. something right. Uh, <laughs> um, but it, it, it's always seemed, Alex, um, as I've seen you grow over the last ten years that I've been doing this, that you always seem to be around people. You always have seemed to make sure to be around other Australians, some some Brits along the way as well. But it it seemed like that. Um, I don't know, community family aspect has been really important to you. Definitely, definitely. And I think we have a very good culture in Australian tennis um, mm. where we all like to stick together. And it's kind of, I think it helps that we all, basically all the guys on tour now, we're all the same age. So we all grew up playing together. So we've known each other our whole lives. Yeah. And, you know, we're like, we're not just best friends on tour. Like we're best friends outside of, outside of the tennis as well, um, which, which that definitely helps. And, yeah, I guess it's like because we're away from our families for so much, um, it's good to have this connection with some other people that you can kind of, I guess, call your, your family on the yeah, road in right. a way. Um, and if you are having, I guess, those down times or those times when you feel lonely, you have some guys to lean on. Uh, but that being said, it seems like you are always there with a smile on your face. And like I, I, I've, I know you've gone through a lot over the last couple of years, but you also seem to be one of those people who has really enjoyed the the moments maybe not on the court all the time but like off the court and I don't mean that in like a crazy party uh, journey although that I know you've done a little bit of it but it seems like you've always made the most of the 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 travel the excursions yeah. that you've had no definitely um I I've got I mean I'm a happy guy like nothing <laughs> nothing phases me I mean I I I always see the best in every situation yep. um, that's what I kind of pride myself on you know I don't take things too seriously I don't take things too hard like to heart too much um yeah that's just what I've been trying to do and I think that helps massively when especially these long years you know Mm -hmm. being away from Australia for so long um, I think that really benefits me in the long run yeah I know we've talked to a couple Australians over the last couple years about that um being away from there for six months nine months at a time how did you how, how was it for you when you first started the professional side and how is it now when you're trying to find a little bit more balance um yeah early doors of my career I struggled big time Mm. I think it took me maybe I reckon I was away my first trip I was away four weeks and I was 
ready to go home. Yeah. Like I wanted to be on the first flight home yeah. kind of thing. Because um, <laughs> at that stage, I'd never really experienced tennis outside Australia as well. Mm. Like I, I was fresh. Like I had no experience with like any kind of international really? tennis or anything. Like I was just playing local tournaments in Adelaide <laughs> in school holidays. Like yeah. that's what I thought tennis was. Yeah. Um, and then just being thrown basically into the deep end of traveling the world playing tennis. It was like, the novelty of it was great, <laughs> but that wore off real quick yeah, when, I, when yeah. I got on that plane overseas. Did you think about going to college here in the States at all? Uh, not really. Um, I was fortunate enough when I was 17, I got picked in the Australian Institute of Sport. Yeah. Um, so that, that helped me, I guess, in terms of, I guess, funding mm-hmm, and sure. all, all, all the team around me. They yeah. kind of had a structure and like helped me, I guess, become a professional in a way. Um, so that's why I never really, really looked at that, um, college route. Do do you have any regrets about that aspect and, and the fact that maybe it could have, I don't know, provided a little bit more of a base for you in, the, in those first couple of years? Um, do you mean like in terms of going to college? Yeah. Going to college, you know, cause I, I think I'm a big fan of like the one, two years, mm-hmm. if, especially with mm-hmm. talent like yours to have one or two years kind of as a base strength and conditioning, being away from home, that yep. type of lifestyle. Yep. I think for sure that aspect would have helped me a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I f- feel like it could have been a, a bad move though. <laughs> um, it's very easy to twist my arm uh-huh. and I mean, if I was on the right team, I had the right people around me, yes. I'm sure it would, I would have, I would have thrived, but yes. it, I would have been very easily distracted, I mm. think. Mm-hmm. But okay. I'm sure I would have had a lot of. I think out. you would have enjoyed your life <laughs> for a couple of years um, in college. I, it's 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 crazy. You know, I was who was I talking to this morning? Cam Cam Nori is a really good example of somebody who I think yep. was able to find that good balance Definitely. of enjoying life on the TCU campus, but also using it as a, a yep. stepping stone and a, a training situation. So, yep. a lot's obviously been made, Alex, about your your stepping away from the game. It was 2016, 17, mm-hmm. 2016. Looking back on that now, seven seven years past, um, so much more now has been focused on the the idea of mental health and kind of finding that space. And I'm wondering how you view it now, kind of the thought processes that you were going through seven years ago. Yeah, I mean, I guess that stage of my career, I guess I was still young. I was 23 at the time. Right. Um, still, I guess you could say really early on in my career, but I'd been playing for almost five yeah, five years almost right. at that stage as well. So it's not as if I was just starting out. Um, but yeah, it was like just a just a couple years just away from home, like just grinding and grinding, and it just kind of it got it got a little bit too much, you know. Yeah. Like I was the year before, I was playing like all the tour events, like I had a career high ranking, right. like everything was trending upwards, yep. upwards, and then you know you get a little bit injured and. You know, you got to take some time off. Yeah, you know the momentum stopped, and then I was starting to play smaller tournaments and not winning matches I thought I should win, right. and losing to people that you know you think you should be beating. Yep. and it all it's all going through your head. You're like, what are you doing? Like, right, like every every possible scenario is yes. going through your head. Yeah, and then yeah, I just got to a point where I thought I just wasn't really enjoying. Like, I'd love training. Mm-hmm. I'd train the house down in the gym on the practice court. Like, I yeah. loved, I loved practice. But then, as soon as I got into a match court, once it, once we had to compete, I yeah. was nothing. So it seems like nowadays there's more acceptance of just being able to talk about that. Do you yeah. do you think that was the case for you at that time, um, or did people question you and just think you're nuts? Like, I I guess some people were a little bit like, oh, you got to toughen up. Yeah. Like, 
I guess because we had like old school coaches and stuff, and sure. people were like, "Yeah, you like you just gotta you know grind it down, grind yes. it down, get through it, get through it. You'll be good." Like mental tough, like all that kind of stuff, which is I think is great. I still love to do that. Like mm-hmm. I think that's really good. But yeah, I, I think at the time I probably just wasn't open about it enough. Yeah, and then I was just internalizing everything, and then that just after a while. It, can only do that for so long right. until it until cracks start to appear and then that's obviously what happened to me <laughs> yeah but you you seemed like you I, I remember you coming out of it and it just seemed like you were in a much better headspace what did you do off the competing side to just kind of make sure you were in that that kind of path towards just accepting and loving the sport again so you mean like when i had the time off of playing yes. yeah oh, so when i first stopped it was, funnily enough, um, it was the start of an Aussie, ro- like our local league. Yeah, right. It was like pre-season game. Like I hadn't, I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just like, my yep. head was in the bin. I was like, yeah. I don't want to do anything. <laughs> like, uh, and one of my mates called me up. He's like, oh, we've got a pre-season game. Like you should come <laughs> right. just for a laugh. I right. was like, right. went down to the local footy store, bought a pair of boots. It's an amazing story. <laughs> I mean, the fact that like you Google you and there's still like pictures of like blood coming out of <laughs> yeah. your mouth. I mean, it's fantastic. It's great. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, bought a, bought a pair of footy boots, played the preseason game, got in the team, and I, I just, I mean, I got to play Aussie rules with all my mates. Um, and then a, and another pretty cool thing, I got to I got to play play a game with my brother, which I thought I mm. I never would be able to do. So yeah. that was kind of a a pretty really cool moment in my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you come back after after that year, and and obviously. You've you've made two Australian Open quarterfinals at this point in the doubles. You continue to be a presence on the singles side and and challenger titles, ATP quarterfinals. I mean, it's just been a, a very good career. But the one thing that everybody seems to talk about, you're not the most social media heavy guy. I know that. But everybody talks about the match. Roehampton <laughs> with Yannick Sinner. There are tennis writers around the world who say without question that that was the best match they've ever seen. Yeah. Accurate? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I th- I, at the time, yeah. I mean, it, w- it was, I think I was a set and a breakdown in about an hour. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, there was some unbelievable tennis for sure that was played out there that day. Um, to be honest, I probably can't remember too much of it, but... Yeah, talking to people, people talking to me about it, they were saying it was, some, yeah, some, like you said, some of the best tennis that they've seen. What does that mean to you, especially now you see where Sinner is and having, I mean, he's in that discussion, the best matches of the last of this year have been with him and, and Alcaraz, and you had the best match of the year with him in, what was that, 2019? 2019. I mean, what does that mean to you about, about your level, where you are? Um, I get, yeah, I mean... I, I believe in my abilities. Yeah. Like, I know deep down I have th- that ability, so it doesn't really surprise me. Mm. I guess it's more frustrating that I can't bring that out mm. on a more consistent basis, Yeah, I would say, more than anything. Um, yeah, because then I, I remember you Then you guys met again in, in Lexington, Lexington, which is the last time <laughs> I saw you. Um, how, did you how did you handle COVID? Um, what, what was that, that stretch like for you? Yeah, um, it was interesting because I felt like, just at the start of COVID, I really felt like I found my way in tennis. Like, mm. I was playing good. Start of January 2020. Yeah. I was playing really well. Um, yeah, won a round at AO, made a final of a challenger. Like, I was playing a lot of matches. I was playing well. And then, obviously, COVID hit. And then yeah. you have 
you know, this break. Um, but yeah, it was initially. I obviously didn't really know that it was going to last right, however, man, however long, but it was. It was definitely an experience. Um, I was I was lucky enough that the people I, will, I was living with is one of my best mates. Okay. So we kind of um, you could almost say thrived <laughs> living at home. <laughs> okay. There would be some fights. Um, yeah. We weren't allowed to play board games there for one bit, but um, yeah. it was, yeah, I don't know. I guess, I think COVID kind of, I guess, had a little bit more perspective on life as well, that it's not just all about my tennis life. Like, yeah. we live in a bubble. Like yes, it's we just, do. It's such a different world to anything else. And I think, for me especially, COVID really brought that out to the forefront of my mind. Yeah, well, um, so the last couple of years, you have dealt with some injuries, obviously, Um you said at the outset that you're really enjoying, though, this love, the ability to compete. Why and how has that resurfaced for you over the last several months? Um, I think it's probably probably due to the fact where I've kind of, I guess, in the forefront of my mind, I've got what I want to do in this sport and how I want to do it, who I'm doing it for. Mm. Like, I've got all this information in front of me that I've got as like a priority mm. and that kind of dry that's where my fire comes from now who are you playing for for one my coach over there Rowan Williams mm-hmm. um, he's been a big help um, been working with him since October last year is he still doing the podcast he's doing a little, a little he has been yeah, yeah he okay. has I actually don't know if he's done it since he's been away but yeah okay. he frequents yeah <laughs> I know he dabbles a little <laughs> um yeah, um, my my family at home, yeah. um, always, always, and then obviously I always play for myself. Go out yeah. there and give it my best. I've always appreciated your passion, and how much you have. Every time I've seen you, and it's been way too rare lately, it, the investment you make in yourself, and where does that come from? Um, I mean, I guess yeah, like especially in an individual sport, you have to, right? Mm. Um. And I feel like probably over the past couple of years, I've probably invested in myself a bit more than I have in the past. Um, I don't know if that's because I'm older and wiser now and I kind of, you know, I'm really trying to trying to get the last little bit of juice out of my career. Um, but yeah, just I think it's just down to, I, I want to, I don't want to have any stone unturned. Yeah. Like I don't want to come back in 10 years, have a chat with you and say I regretted not doing something. So I'm just trying to make the most of it. I like the fact that we're going to chat in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. that, that actually makes me happy. Um, all right, so let's hit on some of the hot point uh, topics of, right. of right now. Uh, default, French Open. Your Women's thoughts. Doubles. Yes. I actually haven't seen the footage. You haven't? I haven't seen the footage. I've just been told about it. I mean... Oh, my Lord. Women's like you talk. You talk about living under a rock. Yeah. Like, how do you I, miss from that? from Australia. What do you mean? <laughs> But I mean, it was. Uh, she was just. It was a she, practice. It was, I heard she just like kind of just had the ball and just. She no. She literally like was. It was like a sh- like almost like a shadow swing, like a practice swing, mm. just to kind of get the form. And it, ha- it it's the kid in the chest, and she's crying. <sighs> I, I, I guess the rule is if you hit a specter or a person, it's a default. So I guess by if you're reading the rules, I guess you have to like. It's the rule. It's it's where I st- that's exactly where I stand. It and I, she seems like a lovely human being, clearly accidental. I'm just of the opinion you hit somebody, done, you're done. You're yeah. just done. I mean, you can't. Yeah, I. I know, totally accidental. It's, uh, yeah, 
I mean, what's you have the rule book for a reason, right? Correct. You're like you can't really make exceptions, I right. guess. Make yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Okay, it is. I'm probably going to get all the hate <laughs> mail for that. It's <laughs> it's fine, not you. Um, okay, uh, tell me. Uh, I'd like to hear your opinion on Sam Groth. Uh, now that he has become a politician mm-hmm. uh, back home, as it looks like rain's about to hit us here again in 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 Tyler. Um, biggest serve of all time. Uh, yeah, Mr. Two Six Three. <laughs> How is he as a politician back home? To be honest, I'm. I know. Pro- I'm probably the district. worst. I'm. I'm probably the worst guy to to ask about anything politics. Okay. I honestly have no idea. <laughs> okay. That's about as much yeah, insight you, as I. But can you get. know, you know, Grothy. <laughs> I know Grothy. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's very persuasive in what he does, but I couldn't tell you what he's doing. <laughs> he's he's gained a couple a uh, couple pounds okay. along the way as but well. I mean, that's retirement. So so have we all, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but getting to that age, okay. The mustache. It has mm. been it has been a trademark for you since I've known you. Yep. Why? Well, it's the only facial hair I can grow, for one. That's not That's not true. Does I that can count? Yes. I don't think that counts. Come on, I can <laughs> see it. I can literally see it. I mean, there's there's good length on the chin. A little bit there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just grows. It's very thick okay. on the upper lip. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I've always... And then Tomo mm-hmm. started growing his, so I'm like, well, he can't be the only one. Yeah, but his is... I mean, come on, let's be real. It was too it's much. Inf- well... He was too hey, much. He's probably got it right now. Is I'm not mad about it. I think it's great. Is he dating anyone yet? Tomo, I don't know. I mean, I I I know he's still pining for Nelly Corda. <laughs> I mean, it, how can how can he not? <laughs> Do you reckon the moustache is working? I don't. <laughs> I, I don't think people really enjoy '70s porn star moustaches. I I really don't think that's uh, uh, that's a thing. Um, okay. So here's here's the next top point question. Um, also on social media this week, Nick Curios uh, has j- joked about maybe he somebody should hire him as a coach. As a coach, yep. Who would be the ideal candidate for him to coach? Oh, I'll take him. He can be my assistant coach. <laughs> I'm sure he'd like that. <laughs> he'd like to come back on the Chally Tour. <laughs> As the assistant coach. Yeah. Put in a couple of futures <laughs> in there for him. Not even like, like 10%, like percent, nah. only 5%, yeah, maybe. Mates nah. <laughs> rates. Seriously, though, who if, if he were to stop playing mm-hmm. and actually go out and coach, who do you think would be the ideal person to work with? I don't know, but I think he would be a very good coach. Because I, I think he's got one of the best tennis minds in the world. Like he reads the play so well. Like I think he he understands tennis so well. Um, so I think anyone, whoever, if he was to ever go down that path, I think whoever would get him would be lucky to have him in his team. Okay, that was a bit of a cop out answer. I was hoping you would say Sitsipas. <laughs> oh, I didn't. That didn't even <laughs> like. Come to how great would that be? Like, <laughs> like he, the Sitsipas's dad has always been such a. It's been an interesting dynamic, and then Kyrgios slide in. Come on. <laughs> I'd like to see. It. I'd like to see it too. Um, all right. So, as as we let you go, and and I appreciate the f- you haven't even had any. I'm like I'm like guzzling no, my water. God, I'm so sorry. Um, in 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 the next few years, uh, you know, when you do get to the end of your career, what what will that next step look like for you? And I'm I'm sure everything you've dealt with over the last couple of years, you've had to start thinking about that and that next process of your life. Um, to be honest, I haven't really thought about it too much. Um, 
yeah, the the biggest thing is probably I will probably go home, really, go back to, to where I grew up. And, you know, I've got brothers and sisters who mm. have young kids. They have families now. And, you know, I've missed basically the last 10 years of, I guess, their kids growing up. So, yep. you know, first of all, I'll probably just go back home and spend as much time with, I guess, the lost years that I've had mm. with my nephews and nieces. Um, but then after that... I don't know, to be honest. I think I think I would like to stay in tennis somehow, mm-hmm. whatever that is, if that's coaching or you know, mentoring or whatever down the track. Um, you know, I feel like I got I guess so, so I feel like I'd have something to give back to, to the next generation, um, whatever I guess in whatever way that could be. But um yeah, I think that's something that I'd like to do. Well, I think uh, from my perspective, your what you bring to the table and all of your experience over the last ten years ish has just been phenomenal. Um, and you, like you seem like a person who has gone through it and come through with this incredible perspective, still have an incredible tennis game a- as well. I mean, that that says a lot about who you are as a person, for what that's worth. So I'll, I'll just, you, no, you don't I have to respond that. to that. But I, I've always really respected that about you. Um, I just, last question, that, that lefty serve that you, you can employ, and I, I've always kind of wanted to ask... Every time you hit it, it looks like it's going to miss deep <laughs> by like three feet, and yet somehow it finds its way. And how? How do you do? Like I even ca- talked about it on the po- on the uh, stream today. Like there's, I thought it was going to miss by six feet, and it like lands on the back of the service line, just like how. I've hit a lot of serves. <laughs> I've hit a lot of serves. Yeah, well, that's probably all I can tell you. I, I, all I'm saying is when, when you do step away from the game, I just, I just want like an hour of your time so you can show me how to hit that because my word, what the damage you do with that thing, it's nasty. Alex, get uh, a shower in you. I'm going prob- to just like sit in a cold tub for about half an hour. I really appreciate your time. You've always been one of my favorite people, so I appreciate you actually coming back to the States just for the podcast. No, that's why I came. <laughs> no, thank you very much. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.